the beginning of this. It says, after these things, those were the things in Athens, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth, also a very Greek city. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. That's as far as I want to take it today. Because as I stopped to think about these people that he met, Priscilla and Aquila, I realized that there's a, a good number of lessons that we can learn because they're mentioned in so many different places in Scripture. They're mentioned three times in this chapter um, in the book of Acts, but then their names show up three other times in letters that Paul wrote. And they became people that were very highly used by the Lord and people that we want to, to look at and to learn from. Well, we learn from the Lord, but we want to see how God worked in their lives. And as I said, there's a lot of great things here for us to learn. Uh, the first thing that the passage tells us is that he met them there because they had come from Italy. And they came in the expulsion under Emperor Claudius from Rome of all of the Jews. It's not... I looked as hard as I could. It's not possible to find the exact date that that happened. But we know that Claudius reigned in the 40s and early 50s of the first century uh, as the Roman emperor. And there is a reference in here to uh, uh, an official named Gallio and when he lived. And without giving you all the details, you can search this out for yourself like I did if you want. But, but it would seem that somewhere right around the middle of the first century A.D., is where this event happened. All of the Jews were expelled from Rome. And, of course, that points out to us that Aquila and Priscilla were a Jewish couple. We know he was a Jew. It says that he was, and his wife was as well. So they were, they were expelled from Rome, and they found themselves in Corinth, and then Paul comes to Corinth. And right away, they become fruitful believers in the work of the gospel. And that's what I want you to see today. I want you to see that in whatever situation you find yourself in in life, and this must have been a difficult time for them. I don't know how long they had been in Corinth yet. But, they, you know, that's, you talk about hardship in life. I mean, imagine being expelled from your country and having to pick up whatever you can grab and move to another country, right? That's what happened to Priscilla and Aquila. But you know what? God used them mightily. And so I want you to see that in whatever situation you are in life, if you are a child of God, by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, God can and God desires to use you as his servant. And that should encourage you and make you just want to press in closer and closer to the Lord because one of the great blessings of being a Christian is that if we walk in the Spirit, 
If we press in close to the Lord, if we walk in the Spirit, God will actually produce fruit in us. That will, these, these wonderful characteristics like that we were talking about when we were doing the Bible study on Thursday night in Galatians. And they will then produce works in our lives that are of very practical use and service to the Lord in building His church and in making up disciples. I want to be part of that. You know, and, and to some extent we are, even just the, the, just the fact that we're gathered together here today and we're worshiping Him and our presence all in one room in one place. Among, I'll be honest with you, it's been a while since I've seen the, the building this full. I mean, from up here, this looks really cool, you know? So it's, it's been a couple of years, I feel like. But uh, so in a sense, just being together and encouraging one another like this is an awesome thing. But, uh, man, you really want to be in on it, right? And be in on what the Lord is doing and serve Him and use your gifts and glorify the Lord. So, so let's take a look at some of these things. And I have a couple of other passages that we'll look up together today. Um, so he was born in Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, talked about the expulsion, and they came to them. The first thing that I want to point out, and we'll just go through these one at a time, this is what the whole message is going to be. Just a bunch of points about Aquila and Priscilla, okay? First thing I want to point out was that they were married. Now, I'm not going to hang on that too, too long because I do love to point this out, though, for couples. One of the great blessings of being married is that if you get married and you're both in the Lord, marriage ought to be the joining together of two people who want to serve the Lord together. Aquila and Priscilla appear together six times in the New Testament. Neither of them ever appears without the other. It's never Aquila, it's never Priscilla, it's always Aquila and Priscilla or Priscilla and Aquila. And in the New King James Version, three times it's Aquila and Priscilla and three times it's Priscilla and Aquila. And they never seem to like do anything apart from one another. So, if you're entering into marriage, which a couple of people are this month, a couple of couples are, I like to tell them that one of the great blessings of marriage is you are getting a person who will be your partner in ministry for the rest of your life. I am very blessed in my own life to have been given that uh, 27 years ago. And the Lord is still blessing me through that and blessing a lot of other people through that as well. Now, however, not everyone is married. Not everyone will get married. Sometimes people get married and a person gets saved and the other one doesn't. That happens. Sometimes a person is married and they're all on fire and gung-ho for the Lord, but maybe the other person in the marriage isn't quite there. Don't lose heart. I don't think, while I think the Priscilla and Aquila thing should be very encouraging for married couples, at the heart of it is this. In their situation, they served the Lord. Right? Their situation was, they were married and each of them was married to someone who loved Jesus and loved God. That's not everyone's situation. The thing to learn from Priscilla and Aquila is, in whatever situation they are in, use it. Use it for the Lord. Amen? Paul later wrote to the church at Colossae this, 
And whatever you do, look, you don't need to be married to be obedient to this. You don't need to be married to a Christian to be obedient to this. You don't need to be married to someone who even shares the same zeal or devotion to the ministry yet that you do. Ideally, if you're married, you are both in the situation. But as an individual who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do this. Whatever you do, do it what? Heartily. Heartily means whatever you do in service to the Lord, you put your all into it. As to the Lord and not to men. In other words, whatever you're doing from whatever your footing in life is right now, you do it as though you're doing it for the Lord. And you know what it says? Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Aquila and Priscilla in their situation, which was a good, equally yoked marriage where they both loved the Lord and yet a lot of turmoil and persecution in their life. That was their fingerprint situation in life. You know what they did? They did everything they did heartily. They did everything they did as to the Lord and not to men because they knew that they would receive the reward of what? The inheritance. What is the inheritance? The inheritance is the kingdom of God. The inheritance is eternal life. The inheritance is being with the Lord forever. Our experience now is that we walk with Him who owns that kingdom. We walk with Him who is the King. But one day we will realize in its fullness what it is to be with Jesus. Serve Him now from whatever... If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever your situation is, use the present circumstances, even if it's hardship and trial, cry out to the Lord for His help and His strength and do everything that you do for God's glory with all of your heart. Amen? That's a great promise, isn't it? That's a great promise that we don't earn salvation, I know that, but we are told to lay up treasures in heaven, aren't we? So there is some connection. There's no connection between my works and going to be with the Lord forever. It's all His grace. But there is some connection between what I do here on earth and whatever reward the Lord sees fit to bless me with, right? And I don't know the formula or whatever that God uses. It's just all His sovereignty. It's all His blessing. And it's all His grace. And it's all goodness heaped upon goodness, heaped upon goodness. But it's encouraging to know that no matter how hard things get here, I devote myself with my whole heart to serving Him. And I can trust that I have the reward of the inheritance. Number two. See? That's how this goes. I have nine of these, by the way. That's number two. Sorry, it just didn't work out to be like a nice round 10. But, but uh, I didn't want to just arbitrarily invent something. Just got to go with what's here. So, All right. So the second thing you see is what? Uh, so he was of the same trade and he stayed with them. Right? He stayed with them. What is that 
an indication of. They were hospitable, right? They used what God had given them for the glory of the Lord. There's no indication that these people knew Paul before now, right? But they come, they become believers, they're saved. There is the, there is the need for Paul. As you read into this passage, you're going to see that Paul spends a year and a half in Corinth. I mean, most of the places we've seen Paul go to so far, he's stayed for weeks, right? In some cases, just three weeks. In some cases, maybe just one day or just one short little time, a couple of sermons. That's it. He's going to spend a year and a half in Corinth. These people who had just been expelled from living in another country... I mean, that's not exactly the person you would expect to just take a stranger in, right? I mean, you would think they would be the ones looking to be taken in, right? But they're not. They're here. They're in Corinth now. Here comes Paul. He's preaching the gospel. They recognize that God's at work. Our home is your home. And they're in. They're hospitable. In two other places in Scripture, uh, you see that they hosted churches even in their houses, um, we'll take a look at a couple of those maybe a little bit later. But in at least a couple of places in Rome, that's what's a little amazing to follow about the trajectory that you can piece together in Scripture concerning Aquila and Priscilla is they, they come to Corinth and they have Paul staying there. Eventually, they're going to leave Corinth and they're going to travel with Paul and wind up in Ephesus and they have a church meeting in their house there. And then eventually, they're going to make their way back to Rome. And when Paul writes Romans, he's going to say, greet them in the church that meets in their house there. The place that they had been chased out of, they end up back there somehow with a church meeting in their house. So everywhere they go, they're just hospitable. What is hospitality? You obviously see the word hospital as part of it, right? The idea of hospitality in its most basic sense means, means to host people in whatever situation you've got and help to meet their needs. A hospital does that particularly with sick people, right? But, you know, hospitality obviously goes beyond that. In Scripture, hospitality is given very high regard. In Romans chapter 12 among the list of all the different gifts and all the different ways that people can serve the Lord, as Paul encourages the Christians to love one another and serve one another, one of the things that he encourages, just three simple words in Romans twelve thirteen: given to hospitality. In other words, the Christians were to be given over to just being hospitable. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, "...be hospitable to one another without grumbling." As each one has received the gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of what? The manifold grace of God. In other words, we have received His grace. We recognize that everything good that we have was given to us by Him. And now, as a good steward of what we received, we should turn around and, as God leads us, be hospitable. Which means, use whatever you've got to meet the needs and care for others. We can all, to some extent and some degree, do that. One of the great blessings of my life is that been, I, I have been shown hospitality in my life by lots of different people. But sometimes I have been shown hospitality by people that 
you might not ordinarily expect would give it. Like you would think they would be people that would themselves be looking for it. Like Aquila and Priscilla who were, you know, had basically been chased out of Rome. I've experienced that. And it's wonderful when the Lord does that and the Lord is able to do that. All right. So that's number two. They were hospitable. They took Paul in. They took a church in their house in at least two and possibly three different cities. They had a home that was open to the meeting of the church. Isn't that amazing? Amen? So you get where this is going. Number one, in their situation, they served God with their whole hearts. Number two, they were hospitable. Number three, they were industrious. They were industrious. They didn't just come into, listen, they did not just come into Corinth, after being chased out of Rome and sit there and just wait for other people to do whatever they were going to do, right? What does it say? When Paul got there, it says he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers, right? And so when these guys got chased out of Rome and came into Corinth, they immediately set up shop and they worked, And because they worked, that enabled them to be hospitable, no doubt. And it just so happens, in the sovereignty of God, that Paul himself had this same trait. What a guy Paul was, huh? I mean, Paul is like this incredible, uh, has this incredible religious heritage, which he then eventually just wiped it all away and counted it as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ. And then he becomes like this amazing Christian and traveling apostle and church planter and preacher of the gospel. And on top of all of that, it appears that he's a tradesman as well and is able to make tents. And God leads him right into the presence of someone in Corinth who does the same thing. So he's able to work and he's able to make tents. But that's another thing that you see about Aquila and Priscilla. They were industrious. Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.6, Part of what Paul was trying to say to Timothy to encourage him in his ministry, listen to this, is that the hardworking farmer must be first, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. And the way you read that verse is by putting the inflection on the word hardworking, right? I mean, without that word, it's just the farmer must be first to partake of the crops. That's not what he's trying to say. He's trying to say the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. He's trying to encourage Timothy, who's discouraged, to work hard in his ministry. Well, you see this in Aquila and Priscilla, that they're industrious. Kopiao is the Greek word that is translated hardworking. And literally what the idea of that word is, is that it implies working to the point of fatigue. Right? So... Aquila and Priscilla, Timothy, one of the things you see in these people's lives is that Paul is writing to encourage them to work hard. Look, working for salvation, working for our place before God is something we cannot do and must never do and must never try to do. The Lord Jesus did all the work to to redeem us and save us. But then as you walk through your life left here, One of the good qualities of one who loves the Lord is that you use your abilities to work hard. Hard work, the hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. The hard-working whatever, fill in the blank, yields 
the fruit of the reward that comes from that hard work. And in this case, the capacity to be able to be hospitable and host the Apostle Paul in their house. So you see that, right? So Aquila and Priscilla were, you use their situation to put their whole heart into their work. They were hospitable and they were industrious. Now, skip ahead to verse 18 in the passage. Look at verse 18. We're told that Paul remained a good while. Part of his ability to remain in Corinth for a good while was because of how God used Priscilla and Aquila. It says, Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria and left things in the capable hands of Priscilla and Aquila. Does it say that? No. What's it say? It says he took Priscilla and Aquila with him. Right? And so, this really blew me away. This point was that after they had already been chased out of Rome, after they had come to Corinth, presumably set up a decent trade, had taken the Apostle Paul in, had seen the fruit of the ministry begin to be born, when it was time for the Apostle Paul to move on and to go back to Antioch and Syria, they went with him. They just up and left again. And the Lord used this. You know what happened was, on their way back to Antioch, as you follow more of the chronology through the book of Acts and some of the epistles, they stop on their way in Ephesus, and Paul leaves them there. He leaves Aquila and Priscilla there in Ephesus. And you know what they do? They, they, they start a church in their house. <laughs> You'll see that when we go through it. I mean, it's like incredible what they do. But here's the point about all of this. And I just really wanted to make something of this. They loved God. Isn't that, isn't that obvious? Why would somebody in their situation up and leave and move to another country again? The love of God was just flowing in their hearts. Romans 5.5 5 says, The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. I want you to think about something. I know that as Christians, we have been given the gift of everlasting life, right? And we have been given the promise of going to heaven one day. But may I suggest to you that that's not the only thing that should be dangled out in front of someone, for example, when you're witnessing to them. Hey, do you want to go to heaven one day? I mean, there have been times when I've heard evangelism done like that, you know? But look, the call, the call of the gospel is a call to reconciliation with God Himself. That happens now. We are actually told in Scripture that we are given the ministry of reconciliation. So the, the ministry of the gospel is not just to help people punch a ticket to heaven. If it's not presented right or presented properly, it can actually cause someone to think, okay, I've taken care of the most important thing. I've prayed this prayer or whatever, and I've believed in Jesus, and I know I'm going to heaven one day. And then you see nothing happen in their lives. 
We, as we preach the gospel of Christ to people, we're preaching to people and we're calling, we're not, we're not just pointing them to heaven, we're calling them to God Himself. To be reconciled to God, to walk in and abide in and enjoy His love. Aquila and Priscilla were not just people who were in their lives doing whatever they could scrape by on and waiting to go to heaven one day. They loved God. The love of God was poured all over their lives, all over their hearts. And that's why they did the things that they did. May I suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that all of us ought to examine our hearts, examine ourselves. Where are you in in the love of God? The love of Christ. Do you love Him? This This is why Jesus asks Peter three times, Do you love me? Well, of course I do. We'll feed my sheep. Do you love me? You know I do. Do you love me? You know, this is what it really boils down to. As we walk through life, we're God lovers. Christ lovers. What's required is to examine yourself day by day, I think, and see, have you allowed the cares of this life or the love of the things of this life to grow In a prosperous, abundant country, rich in the goods and the things and the comforts of this world like the United States, we have to be especially careful of this, that we don't allow things to crowd out or push out the love of God. I mean, on the one hand, you have Romans 5 saying, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. But you're commanded day by day to be filled with the Spirit. And, you, and, and we know that we've been commanded not to quench the Spirit or to grieve the Spirit. So it's very important that you're walking in the Spirit so that the love of God, which has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, is not quenched out. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is what? Who knows this verse? The world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We are called to walk in the love of God. I think that's what prompts an Aquila and Priscilla to just up and leaves when Paul up and goes. They are filled with the love of God. And is it not obvious that even after all that time in Corinth, they're not wrapped up in the world. And Corinth was a prosperous city. I have heard many preachers and theologians liken first century Corinth to modern America. Have you? I, I definitely have. And one of it has to do with like, A lot of it has to do with just the prosperity and then the licentiousness of the living that that prosperity promotes. Very much like it. But Aquila and Priscilla were not filled with a love for the things of this world. They were filled with a love for God. And so when the opportunity came to get up and go somewhere else to be used by the Lord, they dropped what they were doing and they went with the Apostle Paul. Be encouraged by that. Examine your hearts. If you're in Christ and you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are eternally secure in Christ. That's not the issue. The issue here is, 
as you walk day by day? Is your heart consumed by the love of God? The way that you speak to people, the way that you treat people, the way that you act towards people in their presence or outside of their presence, the way you deal with strangers, the way that you deal with your brothers and sisters, the way that you react to certain things. Is it all infused in the love of God, in the love of Christ? May I suggest to you that if you find yourself wanting there, first of all, I sometimes do myself, and look, just come before the Lord. Humble yourself. Pray. Make that commitment to dwell on and meditate on His Word that your life would be filled with His love. Amen? Isn't that what we need? We need Christians filled up with the love of God. It's, it's right there. When Paul preached in Athens, he told the unsaved people that he is not far from each one of us. That's what he said to unsaved people. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Right? I Look ahead. Still in Acts chapter 18, verse 24. We'll make more of this when we get to it, but we have to see it today because... Aquila and Priscilla pop up again. A certain Jew, if you're following the chronology, we've already left Corinth because we're jumping around. Now we're in Ephesus. Paul has left Ephesus and has continued on his way to Syria to go back to the church of Antioch. And it's just interesting how The narrative then is taken over here by telling us about something again that Aquila and Priscilla did. A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Right? This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit... He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. Though, what? He knew only the baptism of John. So what do we know there about Apollos? First of all, he's from Alexandria. I don't even think it's a stretch to say that in that era of the Roman Empire, perhaps the greatest Jewish city in the the world at the time was not Jerusalem. It was Alexandria. There was a thriving Jewish community in Alexandria, all right? Um, There's more I could say about that. Historically, it's fascinating, but I'll just leave it there. But from this thriving Alexandria, it's in Egypt, this thriving Alexandrian Egyptian community of Jews, here comes Apollos, who is mighty in the scriptures, and we're told was familiar with the baptism of John. What That's a reference to John the Baptist, right? So what was John the Baptist's message? Repent, basically repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist's ministry was to get people ready for Jesus. So somehow, and there were some more of these. When You encounter more of them when you come into chapter 19, you'll see. There were people who had heard the teaching of John the Baptist, either directly or it had made it to them, and they believed it. But they weren't around long enough to actually hear the whole message of the one that John the Baptist was pointing to. 
right? And maybe you've ever wondered about that. What about people who repented and got baptized uh, in the Jordan River or whatever and believed uh, the message of John the Baptist, but they, they never heard about Jesus? Well, here's one of them. And he's mighty in the scriptures. And he's, and he's probably walking around in the synagogues. He goes to the sea, comes to Ephesus, goes into the synagogue at Ephesus and preaches. You remember, there was this guy who goes, John the Baptist was a pretty well-known in his day. He had drawn a lot of people to himself and he was well-known throughout the Jewish community. There was this guy that John the Baptist who had preached by this time, probably 20 years earlier in the region of the, the Jordan in, in Judea. You know, he was telling the truth. He announced that Messiah was here. And so you need to repent and you need to get ready. Well, guess what? One day at the synagogue, guess who happens to be sitting there? Aquila and Priscilla. (laughs) And you can see, here's how the Lord is going to use it. He goes in, verse 26. He began to speak boldly in in the synagogue and Aquila and Priscilla heard him speak. Well, what did Aquila and Priscilla know that that Apollos did not? They knew the rest of the story, right? They knew that Jesus was the Lamb of God. They knew that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah and came and was there and fulfilled everything that John the Baptist was preaching about. And so they took, look at this, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. That's, that's, that's beautiful, right? Here's this husband and wife in their situation happened now to be in Ephesus. Paul's left and has gone back to Syria. They're attending the synagogue there, hoping to be able to witness to some people. Boy, did they get a chance to witness to somebody. They got a chance to witness to this guy, Apollos. And then Apollos becomes more mighty, more bold, and more powerful. What do you see in Aquila and Priscilla there? I see great boldness great boldness. Do you know that when Paul wrote his letter to the Ephesians, he asked the church of Ephesus to pray for him. And you know what his prayer request was? You should know this. That utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. You think that boldness just comes naturally to the apostle Paul, right? The apostle Paul wrote in his letter there to the Ephesian church, you pray and you pray for me that I might be able to speak boldly like I ought to speak. So boldness is something that is born out of... You might think that some people, and I think this is true, some people are just maybe naturally uh, more uninhibited in their approach to people. They just seem to be able to very freely start a conversation or speak. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it gets them into trouble. Sometimes it makes people a little uncomfortable and is a little embarrassing. Sometimes God makes God, God brings incredible and wonderful things out of it anyway. But the real spirit of boldness to preach Christ here, I think is something that God gives to believers in response to their seeking and their crying out for it. And Paul knows that, so he tells the Ephesian church, please pray for me that I may be bold. Aquila and Priscilla had that. Listen, I want you to, I want you to just very plainly put yourself in this situation. They go to the synagogue in Ephesus. One day this guy comes in. Apollos, from Alexandria, an Alexandrian Jew. Very eloquent, very powerful. And he begins to preach and teach. And he's probably blowing people's minds. And then when the sermon is over, and when the synagogue service is over, uh, really nice to meet you today, that was a really great message, but um, can we talk to you for a minute? 
I mean, I want you to think of like going into some meeting where there's some eloquent speaker, powerful, many people came to hear him and it's incredible. And then afterwards, pulling him aside to tell him, you know what, you're not totally right about this. I need to fill you in on the rest of it. Listen, praise the Lord that Apollos was humble and received that. But praise the Lord for the courage and the boldness of Aquila and Priscilla. Listen, all the things we've seen so far together, it all works together. They're, They're filled with the love of God. They're committed to the gospel of Christ. They are committed to the true gospel. Right? The Lord's really using these people. When's the last time you prayed for boldness? When's the last time you prayed for boldness for me? Or for some other brother and sister that you know who wants to speak the gospel to someone? Do we as Christians operate in this anymore? Or do we just leave it to, you know, there are people, there are other people that do that. Everything's online. People can find it if they want. I'm guilty of that sometimes. You know? We should be praying for courage and for boldness so that we could speak up. Look, 99.9% of the time, The person that you need to speak to about Christ isn't going to be an Apollos. Someone who probably knows way more than you do. The vast majority of people that you're going to meet on the street around here, and I know this from my own experience, they haven't had anyone in their lives make the connection for them between what Jesus Christ actually did and who he actually is and where they stand before God, and the peril and the danger that they're in because of their sin, and that Jesus paid the price for their sins, was buried and rose from the dead, so that now they can be reconciled to God, and they can have the hope and the promise of everlasting life, and everything else that comes with that. The vast majority of the people that you'll meet have no knowledge of that at all. Pray that God gives you boldness to open up your mouth to speak as you ought. All right, so, so far, we see that kind of there were two of them kind of combined there, but we see that um, in their situation, they wholeheartedly served the Lord. They were hospitable. They were industrious. They loved God. They were bold. And I'll just put the sixth in there with it. They were committed to the true gospel, right? Because Apollos needed to know the truth. And they didn't just leave it there. Now, turn over to Galatians chapter 5. I want to review with you something that we've gone. I want you to see this one. I want, Galatians 5, everybody. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. I want you to see this next one with your eyes. We went over this recently on a Thursday night. I don't know that everybody saw this, so I want or heard that, so I want to make sure you hear it here. I made mention of it before, but Galatians 5:13, we sang about it today. We stopped even as we were singing to make note of it today. Galatians is all about as you know, refuting 
the legalists who wanted to force people who believed to also get circumcised and observe the law of Moses. It was not enough that they believed in Jesus. They needed more. That was their false message. All of Galatians, like basically up until the point where I'm going to read, was about refuting that as dangerous heresy. We, through faith in Christ, have been set at complete freedom from the religious requirements of the Old Testament law. But, and here is verse 13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty, right? My chains are gone, and I've been set free, like we sang. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I think that when you look at the entire body of ministry that you can piece together about Aquila and Priscilla, they used their liberty to serve. Every Christian is called to serve. It's actually a very liberating notion. Notice, liberty and service are used in the same sentence. You need to take note, even from a literary standpoint, what a powerful statement that is. People who are free don't generally get called to serve. People who are free are just do whatever you want. Paul is saying you're free from any sort of religious or works-based striving to justify yourself before God. But now that freedom is to be used to be employed in the service and the benefit of others. And that is a great picture of what Aquila and Priscilla were. And that is a picture of what you and I should be. We have all been set free from sin. We've all been set free from the law. We've been set free from sin's penalty if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior by faith. Use that freedom now to serve the Lord. Be involved in service. How do you serve? How do I get involved with serving? Well, There's a couple of things that I should point out. It's a message all by itself, probably. But what you can do. Number one, I think you should make a commitment to church. I mean, it says use it to serve one another. The church is what we are. We are one another. We assemble together. We meet together. We do things together. Make a commitment to be part of the things that church is doing. Be there. Just be there and be an encouragement to other people. Things that are happening, go, do it, get involved, be part of them. Number two, keep your eyes open in your own life. I just think in our own lives, God just presents things to us that inevitably become opportunities to serve and to be part of being his hands and being his feet, helping other people praying other people, doing things in the name of Jesus that shine good, positive, favorable light on Christ and our commitment to Christ and our confession of Christ. As Jesus put it, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When we think of serving as a Christian, very often we think of vast programs to join up with. 
you know, big things. I think that the, the vast majority of Christian service is just the everyday Christian, which is what we all are, really, just keeping their eyes and their hearts open and just committing themselves to being where they're supposed to be. Be in the fellowship. Be in the body. Be involved with your life. Keep your eyes open. Stay close to the Lord. You know, if you are fastened securely to the vine, you will produce much fruit, the scripture says. Use your liberty to serve the Lord. There's a couple more of these, but just for time's sake, I'm just going to read one more to you. I'll come back to the other ones because we're eventually going to go through these passages and come across Aquila and Priscilla again, and we'll talk about them again. But turn to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Go ahead and turn there because I need to make a contextual point for you. I don't hear any pages turning. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Is that what it is? Everybody looks at their Bibles on their phones now and so... Yeah, so I don't see you. It's weird for a preacher that's been at it as long as I have. When I say turn to such and such, I expect to hear this. But really, people are doing this, right? So. Here we go. Verse 19, the very end. I didn't really need to have you turn here except for this reason. Greet Aquila and Priscilla and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth. Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. Do your utmost to come for me before winter. Eubulus greets you. The reason I wanted you to see this was this. Notice how short that list is. See how short that list is? Second Timothy is the last thing that Paul wrote. Before he died. In the beginning of chapter 4, he says the time of his departure is at hand. He knows he's going to die. You would think that as Paul went through his life of ministry, you would think that the list of people to greet at the end of such a letter would take pages, right? I mean, you would think it would, you think this would be the longest of all of the lists. I mean, Timothy is the pastor of the church at Ephesus at this time. And you think when he got to the end of writing this, at the end of all of his body of work, there'd be all these people to write to. There's not. But there's Aquila and Priscilla right there at the end. They were faithful. They endured. They walked through much hardship. And they walked through much trouble. They themselves encountered a lot of it. You know, one of the other places in the, in the greeting in Romans, it says they risked their lives. And there's no, there's no elaboration in Scripture on how they risked their lives, but we can maybe assume, you know, they had, they had, they had, a, they had a church meeting in their house in Rome after the Jews had all been kicked out of Rome. Right? <laughs> so, so, I mean, these were people that were just committed. And when you get to the end of his life, when Paul's writing the last letter, they have endured. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by... This is really the spirit of this whole message, right? Because that's what Hebrews 12 is about. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. 
and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus went all the way to the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We want to be following the example of the cloud of witnesses that has gone before us, including the Aquilas and Priscillas, and endure through hardship, through trial, through pandemics, through turmoil in the nation, through all forms of service, uh, uh, persecution and suffering. And we still haven't quite in America seen it quite in the fullness that we may. But you know what? He who endures to the end will be saved. Stay strong in the Lord. So to summarize for you the examples from these people that we read today, Aquila and Priscilla, beloved forefathers in the faith. From their situation, they served God with the whole heart. They were hospitable in multiple places, even after being chased from one place to another. They were industrious, which helped them to be hospitable. They loved God, which was a love that was not bound up in attachments to the things of this world. So when the opportunity came to get up and leave and go somewhere else, they did. They were bold. They spoke and shared Jesus with a well-learned teacher who needed to learn the whole truth. They were committed to the true gospel. They were servants. And to the end, they were faithful. May we look at the example of these Christians and not venerate or glorify them, but recognize how God worked in them and pray that it would be so in us. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, so much for this time that we've had in your word. Just like I just said, help us, Lord God, to see the example of those who have gone before us, the example of Jesus himself. And help us, Lord God, to walk before you as we should. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me have-